Greetings and welcome to the latest edition of the AMSSM Sports Medcast, produced in collaboration with the BJSM. I'm your host, Dr. Devin McFadden, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Dr. Adam Tinforty, Associate Professor and Director of Running Medicine and Shockwave Medicine at Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital, part of Massachusetts General Brigham Healthcare. Today, we'll be discussing the topic of medical considerations concerning carbon fiber plate footwear. Dr. Tenforti, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. So you were recently the lead author on a publication in sports medicine regarding this topic. And I was wondering if you could start out by just discussing with us the use of carbon fiber plate footwear and why it's become so popular. Absolutely. So we've seen this recent change in performance footwear, which involves the use of a carbon fiber plate, oftentimes with a responsive foam insole system, and have really enjoyed seeing some significant improvement in performances with virtually all the distance and road racing event records broken uh, for both men and women. So as the research has accumulated, showing the performance benefits in the elite through the recreational athlete, one of the clinical considerations that really hadn't been brought up in the scientific literature is the potential that introducing this novel footwear could contribute to uh, risk for injury. So that was really the purpose of this current opinion article, which was to document both the performance as well as the health considerations for athletes that might choose to use carbon fiber plate technology. Okay, great. So you've mentioned that a lot of records have fallen since the introduction of this technology, but can you give us, for someone who doesn't follow running as much, uh, an idea of the significance of that upgrade? One of the early forms of this footwear was marketed as the 4% with the idea that the footwear could improve your running performance by 4% by this company. And a number of companies have now created footwear that uses similar technology. So these carbon fiber plate shoes were used early in the goal to run a sub two-hour marathon by uh, Kipchoge. And similar versions of those prototypes were used by other athletes and were noted to really be helpful for events such as the marathon. The World Anti-Doping Agency had an opportunity to review uh, the concerns around whether these shoes created an unfair advantage and subsequently developed uh, specific regulations in terms of how the shoes needed to be manufactured, how long they needed to be available. And with those rules in place, virtually all major footwear companies have created versions of the shoe using a carbon fiber plate technology along with a responsive foam insole. So we've seen these shoes initially described in, in the marathon event. Now that technology is being incorporated into track and field shoes, discussion on how this may be used even in the middle distance and sprints and in other sports. So I believe we're going to see this innovative technology incorporated into a lot of the shoes that, are, that athletes are going to wear in a number of different sports. And that's 
look, that's exciting. I mean, it's fun to watch people run fast. It's really enjoyable to watch people compete. But a key consideration for a sports medicine physician, uh, such as myself, is to understand how do I keep athletes in the sport as long as possible and avoid any uh, medical considerations such as uh, acute or overuse injuries that might develop when you introduce a new technology so rapidly as, as we're now seeing the adoption in the general running community. So with any evolution, obviously we're going to go through a period of transition, not only as a sport, but, but the individual runner as well. What biomechanical changes have we seen in running patterns as a result of, of this evolving footwear? It's hard to describe exactly how this changes individuals' biomechanics, but it, it's certainly been shown that it improves running economy, which is probably a good explanation for why we've seen the world standard in, in most of the track and field events lowered uh, because individuals on average are running faster. There's been some really exciting American records that have been set even in the past few weeks uh, for the indoor mile, 3,000 meters, 5,000 meters. And, and I believe we're going to continue to see just incredible performances as individuals all use these uh, shoes, both for training and competition. It was recently brought to my attention that Track and Field News, which used to keep a running list of individuals who break four minutes for the mile, uh, is either considering or has decided to stop keeping track of how many individuals uh, eclipse the four-minute mile barrier because it's becoming so incredibly common. That kind of paints a picture of, of a sport that is rapidly changing and how fast individuals are running you know, what, what the new performance standards are. And as a result, you can imagine that's going to create huge pressure for an athlete to, to wear these shoes because from a performance standpoint, it'd be kind of silly not to. Absolutely. So as part of the opinion piece that you mentioned earlier, you also presented a case series of some bone stress injuries. Can you tell the listeners about what you found in those cases? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, first, I just want to recognize that there were a number of co-authors on this manuscript, including Dr. Amal Saxena, who has come up with one of the most useful classification schemes for describing uh, this form of bone stress injury to the tarsal navicular bone, which is a key bone in the midfoot, um, along with Dr. Tim Honig and Dr. Carson Hollander, who are both out of Germany, and that I've collaborated with on prior work on bone stress injury and actively am collaborating on, on the topic and on future ways of understanding running-related injuries. So the discussion on this opinion piece really was generated organically. We, uh, it started with a discussion with Dr. Hollander asking me if I had observed any interesting patterns of injuries. He was seeing a number of younger runners developing navicular bone stress injuries. And the reason we're concerned about the tarsal navicular is that components of this bone have good blood supply, but other aspects of the bone have poor blood supply. So a bone injury localized to the tarsal navicular is considered a high-risk injury. It requires recognition, it requires immobilization, non-weight-bearing status, 
to allow the bone to heal. And in some cases, if the injury is more advanced, some athletes and providers will even discuss doing surgical pinning to ensure that the the fracture heals correctly because the concern is that when it's not identified, not treated correctly, doesn't heal correctly, you can develop a vascular necrosis, uh, which can lead to a development of a number of secondary and tertiary injuries uh, to the foot, including early development of osteoarthritis of the midfoot. So you know, that discussion happened with Dr. Hollander. I said, I might know a guy. I reached out to Dr. Saxena. He was observing these trends. And, and we, we had a discussion as a group on trying to understand, is there a pattern we're recognizing with these injuries? Is there a concern that the use of carbon fiber plate footwear might at least be biologically or biomechanically plausible to be related to this footwear? And we felt that there was enough compelling evidence, or at least concern from our group, that we wanted to put together this article. And so what we describe is two, two endurance runners who did a longer running effort wearing the shoes uh, for the first time, or a new model of the shoe for the first time, and three junior elite athletes that were wearing the shoe and had more in most cases, more of a chronic presentation of vague midfoot, hindfoot pain. All of them identified to have navicular bone stress injuries, all using this carbon fiber plate technology with either their training effort or with competition. So the hope with this piece is to document these injuries, because if we don't at least have a starting place of looking at the health concerns with the footwear, we're going to continue to just have discussions about the performance side of the shoes, which we all agree is exciting. But the, the health concerns bring up a whole new topic for us to explore and to try to better understand so we can allow individuals to enjoy the performance benefits while reducing the risk for a future injury. That makes a lot of sense. And I think with anything, it's always good to to know the risks and the benefits. So uh, the benefits are clear. The risks haven't necessarily been elucidated yet, but I appreciate you adding to the the medical knowledge and putting something out there so we can at least keep our eyes open for these types of injuries. What recommendations did panel of experts have in terms of adoption of this type of footwear for people who are perhaps considering uh, moving to carbon fiber plate footwear? Right. So first, we wanted just to recognize what are some of the acute biomechanical changes that might be associated with a navicular bone stress injury. So one was the concept that this responsive foam insole may change the plantar displacement of the navicular bone, might create more of an axial compressive force through the navicular bone, and essentially that it's going to potentially change the way that forces act on the foot. So if you change the forces that act on a tissue, there's really two things that can happen. You can either have an adaptive response to that, that novel dress and become, more, uh, become stronger, more resilient, and in bone, that's, that's adaptive bone remodeling. Or if that stress is too significant or too prolonged, you can have a maladaptive healing response. And with, with bone, that is the accumulation of microtrauma, which can lead to the microfractures um, 
and coalescing to development of a high-grade bone stress injury, otherwise known as a stress fracture. So the way that we were able to describe in, in our piece was to try to take lessons from other recent changes in footwear. And what we discuss in the article is what was described after there was the rapid uh, adoption of more use of minimalist footwear. A lot of that popularized by the book Born to Run, which discussed how the use of more minimalist footwear may lead to different changes to the biomechanics of the feet and in theory can make the feet stronger, changing the way that individuals run. And what was recognized after that rapid adoption of the footwear was that a subset of individuals were dealing with injuries related to, to the use of minimalist footwear. Injuries to the metatarsals were reported. We highlight a few of a few of those articles in our perspective about kind of the acute biomechanical changes that are that were placed in the foot with minimalist footwear. And if we take the carbon fiber plate and responsive foam insole. That obviously is an acute change in someone's footwear. So whether you go from a shoe that has support to less support from minimalist footwear, or you go from a shoe with less support to a change in the way that energy is stored and released, such as the use of this newer technology, that, that stress has to be absorbed by the tissue and the tissue has to have appropriate time to respond. Otherwise, you run the risk of potentially bone stress injury or other soft tissue injuries. And so we started with the navicular because we felt that was one of the more concerning injuries. And essentially our recommendations were one, if you're going to wear the footwear, do it gradually. So you might consider using the carbon fiber plate shoes during training, but not do 100% of your training in them, perhaps do some of, you know, shorter efforts at maybe a submaximal effort so that your, your feet have, in fairness, your entire biomechanical system has an opportunity to, to see that novel stress and to have appropriate time to, to adapt. The second is that if you're wearing this form of footwear and you've, you've had some nagging injury, it, it may be reasonable to see a medical provider. And it's certainly to consider if, if there is um, any pain over the navicular bone or any bony structure in the foot, whether advanced imaging is required to ensure that this isn't a presentation of a bone stress injury. The third piece is to recognize that you could also think about the risk benefit of wearing this footwear. So if you're an individual that's had a prior navicular bone stress injury or has had a prior history of foot and ankle injuries, weighing out the pros and cons of wearing the footwear, doing it in a much more gradual way, recognizing that you may be at an elevated risk for, for a future injury because what we've learned through a number of studies is the greatest risk factor for most injuries is history of that injury. The, the fourth thing was also just to recognize that there are opportunities for the greater sports medicine community, footwear companies, other sports federations to to recognize the potential risk for injury as well as the performance benefits and for us to try to collaborate in in ways that we might be able to further innovate strategies to mitigate the risk with this novel footwork 
think those are all great recommendations and, and make a lot of sense with the limited evidence we're, we're dealing with at this juncture in this technology. And I thank you for being one of the, the ones to step out there and attach your name to these recommendations, because I think it's important that someone took a look at this and, and made some solid recommendations, even if it's just based on expert opinion, which of course is where everything starts. So now that we've kind of covered your article, do you have any closing points you'd like to cover? Anything I didn't ask that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I'm really excited to be uh, coming to the AMSSM annual meeting later in, in April, early May. Uh, we'll be talking on the topic of bone stress injuries uh, in, in older athletes. And certainly this topic of footwear will be one aspect of understanding the multiple risk factors that contribute to this injury. I think it's wonderful to have uh, an opportunity to communicate this to the greater sports medicine community. And I'm hopeful that others that are observing you know, patterns of injury or might have other insights into ways that we can better understand how this footwear affects both health and performance. We'll also be able to, to work off of this report to, um, to share their insights. And hopefully this can help to advance research that translates to better, better health for, for all our runners and, and active individuals, because at the end of the day, I love the sport. I, I know there are many, many who share my passion for the sport of running and, and in fairness for most land-based sports, which are ultimately going to be utilizing this technology. So it'll be really exciting to see what we can do to, to help address these concerns early on. Absolutely. As Dr. 1040 mentioned, he will be speaking at the AMSSM annual meeting in April. If you're interested in attending or would like some more information, you can find that online at annualmeeting.amssm.org. We'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us today. Uh, we hope you found this time valuable, and we hope that you'll join us again soon for the next edition of the AMSSM Sports Medcast. The views expressed are those of the speakers and do not represent the official policy or position of the AMSSM, United States Army, Department of Defense, or U.S. Government, or Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital, part of the Mass General Brigham Healthcare System.